So, yeah, <clears throat> as you know, right, supermarkets are literally running out of food. And doesn't this just tell you how dependent we are on everyone for everything? And at any moment, for example, Walmart might run out of food supplies and then a, a city or a state has got no food. And then we're fucked. So, like, what do we do? When do we start taking it seriously? Like, we have to start saving, like, supply rations, like pasta that lasts for, like, 25 years or cans of tuna. Because it's a really real thing now that there's floods and there's flu and shit like that, that at some point food's going to run out. Like, we should take it seriously, I think, so anyway. I mean, people are still producing. People are still shipping. Um, You know, I don't want to say that I'm not concerned at all. Uh, of course, I have my concerns. I've got a family to worry about. I've got friends to worry about. But in all honesty, um, you know, life is going on. I mean, we're continuing to produce things. The, you know, farmers are still farming. So the fact that, you know, we're low on rations doesn't mean that we're completely out or that we're going to run out. Um, you know, I, I believe that, yes, there is a shortage because it's an immediate thing that everybody ran out and got it. And part of me also thinks that, you know, it's the way that the media is portraying this whole thing and marketing the whole thing. And they're telling people, well, um, you know, run out and get this and get that. I actually think, and I read this online, I thought it was brilliant. I don't know if this is just somebody with some sort of conspiracy theory, uh, in which case, brilliant. And if it's true, again, brilliant. Um, you know, I was reading that the media is purposely telling people, go out and buy toilet paper, go out and buy baby wipes, because if they told everyone to go out and just buy food, there would be no food left on the shelves within a few hours. So you, what's the most benign thing that we could tell people to go out and buy? So now everybody's stockpiling fucking toilet paper instead of actually going and buying all the food. You know, now while you're at the store, you're like, ah, all right, this is silly. Let me grab a few cans of this and that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think that we're going to have an issue where we're completely running out of food. I think there may be limitations on what you can buy. And maybe, you know, you could tell people, look, it's it's a 10 product minimum, you know, or uh, you can only buy this many cans of food or this many bags of whatever. But I don't think that we're ever going to run into a problem like that just because of how we've already evolved into the uh, civilization that we are. Don't you find it fascinating? Obviously, this is how life works. When you think about Bitcoin, supply and demand, when everyone buys Bitcoin, the price goes up. The media speak about it. Everyone buys Bitcoin. It jumps up to like 10 grand. And then everyone who bought a five grand sells that and it goes down. It's the same for the toilet paper. Everyone (laughs) hears about the toilet paper thing. Everyone sees it on the news. The news cover it. Everyone buys more toilet paper. Everyone goes out to buy toilet paper. Isn't it fascinating how this is how life works, this supply and demand thing. But when you compare toilet paper to Bitcoin, it's exactly the same, isn't it? Like (laughs) it will reach its peak and then everyone will be like, I've got all this fucking toilet paper, all this Bitcoin. And it's only worth this much now because (laughs) (laughs) the companies increase the toilet paper price because everyone's buying it. And then they reduce it back down to like a dollar. It's fascinating. It's the same damn thing, isn't it? Absolutely. And I mean, at least toilet paper is a tangible good. I can't I can't wipe my ass with Bitcoin. But, you know, at least I could say, hey, look, I've got 50 rolls of this and I'm only going to use maybe 20. So why don't we barter for something else? You know, uh, give me 10 cans of uh, that canned corn and give me five cans of tuna. I'll give you these 10 rolls of toilet paper. At least there's some use to that. This is the thing. Right? I think that it's not long now until we start negotiating bartering and trading amongst ourselves as you said 
everything, everyone's doing everything, right? Where to get a haircut, it's like five pounds, four pounds, three pounds, because they can't compete unless they drop car washing. It's like, you know, everyone's washing your car for five dollars, four dollars. Eventually, everything's going to be worth a pound, right? iPhone's going to have to come right down because no fucker's going to spend a grand on a shitting new iPhone, right? Everything's going to be traded equally. And as you said, we're going to start trading toilet roll for an iPhone or a carrot for a, for a KFC chicken wing, a lampshade for a pillow, because it's all going to be worth a pound anyway. And it's just going to be direct trade, like Jesus's day, trading carrots for corn and gold frankincense. Literally, that is exactly the way it's going. Like, like coin for a Bitcoin. I mean, it's you know what I mean? Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm really hoping that it doesn't reach those levels where we're at the point where we we've we've reverted back to a point where we just need to trade for everything and money and uh, the whole monetization system is just out the window completely. Um, you know, I feel like this this whole thing is going to be one very sharp V. You know what I mean? Where it's it's going to be a very quick decline and everything's going to go down and everyone's going to panic. And then as soon as somebody comes on the news, anybody other than Trump, and I'm not shitting on Trump at all. I'm just saying that any people don't take him as serious. If somebody comes on TV who people genuinely will listen to and says, OK, look, the yeah, the numbers are declining. People are getting better. We, we've now got vaccinations. Everybody calm the fuck down. All of a sudden, it's going to be a very, very quick uh, in, uh, increase in in everything, in the economy, in spending, in everything. And I think it'll bounce back hard. Um, you know, unfortunately, there will be a lot of businesses and a lot of people that are affected by the low point in that V. But I do believe that this is a very temporary thing. I don't imagine we're ever really going to get to the point where, you know, I'll be reaching out to you and saying, Oliver, I need you to ship me a bag of Doritos. <laughs> You know, I'll send you these two bottles of Coke. <laughs> <clears throat> I just don't yeah. think so. And we're all so removed from one another anyway that, to be honest, I've lived in this house for five years. I have no fucking idea who my neighbors are. And I don't I don't see myself going next door and asking them, you know, if they'd like to trade for this or that. Excuse me, I need to wipe my ass. It's really mucky. I only had like five wipes. I think I'm going to need eight. Do you mind if you just like <laughs> under the door? Um, yeah, like... I lost three grand in the stock market to the coronavirus, and I also put three grand in all the cryptocurrencies. So mm -hmm. when the crypto, when Litecoin, for example, was forty pounds three years ago, I bought one, and then it went up to like three hundred, and I fucking shit, I kidded myself. I was like, fuck's sake, if only I just left it in. So now it went back down to forty. I'm realizing I can't make the same mistake twice. Right. So I bought like, I bought a few more Litecoin. I bought a lot of stuff, but the point is that when it drops, it will go back up, and um, if it's only dropped because of the virus, and when the virus goes, as you said, markets will go back to normal. Like the fucking stock market lost three trillion pounds literally overnight, and it went up a trillion. How could I? I'm fucking watching it go from like 29 to 25 to 22 to 20 to 23, back down to 21. It's fucking crazy, and it's true. Every time the media says something better or worse, people respond to it. Right. Um, it's crazy, like how how media does play a massive effect in everything, and it just shows the power of it. Like you can change so much by what you say, one word, and then people are going to panic. And if you say it's going to be all right, people start buying again because they now think, okay, everyone's going to start buying because it's going to go up. And then everyone buys. And then it's <laughs> fucking crazy. Like, you know, China, there's 44 new cases today. Yesterday there was two. Well, as soon as it starts to balance out and no one comes in other borders, like we're shutting now, the mm -hmm. flu will just like, like the storm, it will just pass by. If you're weak, you'll die. If you're strong, you'll get it. And then you'll just come up the other side. And then 
like a storm that would just pass and everyone will just go back to normal. Um, right. Pretty much no point making a new strain for this because this is the new strain anyway. It's like you're presuming another flu from a bat or a chicken is going to be the same as this. Yeah. So like, where did this come from? So you can't just create a, a flu strain after the fact because it's everyone, every animal has a different strain anyway. So again, this is just life. This is just life. Humans will get wiped out because we are not in control. It's as simple as that. Sure. I mean, we'd like to believe that we're in control, but ultimately we're not. I mean, really, no one is. You know, we can't control our our fate. Um, you know, what I think is going to be a really interesting result of all this is how people trust or distrust the media. Because like you said, they control us in a, in a way where they're able to instill fear in in all people. And fear is how you control people. It's not through, you know being a, uh, a fearless leader or someone who's very well respected it's all it's all through fear and if you're able to scare people they will listen to what you say and they control the markets but now let's say a year from now when all of this has passed and people realize that this is basically just a bullshit flu you know i hate to say it and i'm not trying to make light of the people who are sick or dying it's terrible those are the same people who are sick or dying and they would have died from or the regular flu or pneumonia or whatever. So all these people are going to start to kind of wake up and say, you know, these motherfuckers, they, you know, they made such a big deal out of a flu. Why should I listen to anything they say? And I'm curious to see how that's going to affect the media moving forward and the markets and everything, because... This kind of shows that not only do they have complete control over how people react to things and how people prepare for things, but, you know, it, it's all these uh, it, it's the fact that they use that control to, to for you to do their bidding and to buy what they're selling. And it's uh, it, it's kind of fucked up because I think, you know, everyone's going to start to kind of wake up and say to themselves, well, that was all bullshit. So why isn't everything else they say bullshit? Yeah, it's true. Like there's your usual seasonal full of flu which comes from, say, a duck or a bat, right? Mm -hmm. And it spreads around. People die and people live. It's just, that's just the way it is. And if you have a flu jab, a flu vaccine for that strain of flu, then you're more likely to survive. Now, this is just another flu, apart from no one's had a jab vaccine. So now all the people that would have died who didn't have the vaccine are probably going to die because they haven't got the vaccine. Still, people die from flu, period. It's just, again... The media hype it all up. And yeah, it's a different form of flu, which technically means because we aren't exposed to it already, more people would die because of this. But it's not going to be like millions more. Because if you think about how many people actually take vaccines around the world anyway, compared to how many people there are on the planet. Again, there's 8 billion people. I'd be surprised if a billion people take the flu vaccine. And it's like, well, those billion people, are they really going to have an impact by not spreading that flu because they've all had the vaccine. And it's like, well, these people are probably all in China and in India anyway because there's so many people there. So, <laughs> you know, it's still going to do what it's going to do. Like a storm is going to pass by. It's going to destroy everything in its path. It's just some things that humans aren't in control of, like as we think we think we are. And again, mm -hmm. most of the time it's humans creating a problem so humans can find a solution so humans can profit. Right. And um, I, I already know this. We are not God. At some point, we're going to have to stop building houses, for example, North Carolina, middle of the fucking desert, right? Because storms just keep knocking it down. Eventually, people got to realize, OK, this is happening consistently, regardless of why it's happening. We need to move inland or 
moved to a different place where the pressure is different because storms are destroying everything. California people are going to realise there's fires every year. We can't live in California anymore. We're going to have to sort of go out towards, I don't know, Arizona or wherever's next door. Same as, you know, people living along the coast of Malibu. If the flood is rising, it doesn't matter why it's rising. That is just what's happening. You know, ancient cities have been underwater for years. Maybe that's just what life is doing. Balances out the water. It takes it from here. That becomes a, a sea and that dries up. And then we'll come across all this gold and like fucking ancient cities from the Egyptian days. And it's just, <laughs> just how it is, you know. The flu wipes out the weak. And so therefore there's less humans together. So now we are stronger. We live. We keep breeding. We're close together. We're going to catch it. It's just like you put plants too close together. They'll take each other's nutrients and moisture. And then most of them will die. And you're left with just two trees here and here. We're no different. We're fucking no different. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, I, I think it's funny because, like, the difference between how people used to approach those situations, like, if they were in an area where it was nonstop flooding or nonstop fires, they would say, all right, fuck it. We're moving to the next town over or the next state or whatever, you know, get in your horse and buggy and go. And I think now, um, you know, like, the these corporations, these developers, they incentivize people to stay. And it's it's so crazy to me because uh, I've had this conversation before with people from, you know, from just middle America, you know, um, who live in like in and around like Tornado Alley and, and areas like that and like Oklahoma. And, you know, you say to them, like, your house got torn to pieces. And <laughs> there's there's every statistic to show that it's going to happen again. Why don't you leave? And, you know, their mindset is either one, I don't have the money to move anywhere else or two. Well, we were going to. But then, you know, we got all these, you know, government incentives to stay and rebuild for a really good price. And the taxes here are so low. So, you know, they look at things uh, from, you know, a monetary standpoint and they say to themselves, well, I'm not I can't move to New York where there's no tornadoes because, it, you know, what am I going to live in the city where a studio apartment costs like $3,200 a month? Or I can live here where I have almost zero tax and it costs like $20,000 to build a house. So I'll take my chances. Yeah, that's the thing. You can pretty much buy land anywhere in the country. Right. Yeah, it might be a bit cold, a bit rainy, a bit hot, a bit whatever. But like things happen in patterns. When there's storms happening here, that's because the pressure there is what's needed for the storm, whatever. If you move somewhere else, it will take potentially like a few years for storms to go there, maybe for hundreds of years. Yeah, there might be more likely to be fires there or flooding, but that's just how it works. Animals migrate when there's too much heat or too much rain or flooding or not enough food or there's, it's just the what it is. We're supposed to migrate because the pressures all come back around. We think that humans can just build a house and just like live off an energy supply to provide gas and water that everything's going to be hunky-dory um it's right. fucking nonsense if you look at animals they never stay in the same place that they fucking <laughs> apart from the cows the farmers put in the fields yeah um most animals they migrate because when it gets cold they either fucking die or they move right we're no different um yeah people just have to move like change cities it's just it's just life yeah you might yeah. miss your neighbors you'll find new neighbors you know, half your neighbor's going to be dead next year. So it's like you got you like choose. <laughs> you and your six neighbors can go now, or you and your three neighbors can go next year because we didn't died. It's a choice. Right. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and for whatever reason, you know, it's something that I, maybe people haven't paid enough attention to as to why we choose to, you know, stay in the places that we stay. You know, like what is it that's that's driving that? Because 
statistically, um, most people, I think it's like fucking 90 something percent of people live their entire lives within five miles of where they grew up or went to high school or what or some shit. I mean, why? Like, what is that thing? Is it the fact that they're so comforted in knowing the geography of where they live or, you know, that they've just they've built this very abbreviated existence, you know, in in the first half of their life. So they they assume that they have to spend the second half of their life there. You know, like I love the idea of moving around and seeing new things and meeting new people like I've already moved around, you know, to uh, to a couple of states. And, you know, in my experience, it's uh, it's great. You know, and for whatever reason, you you don't end up staying there is irrelevant. But, you know, to to only be in one place within five miles of where you were born is fucking crazy to me. Like, you're not even like living at that point. Like, you're just stationary. Like, you're just you're immobile. You know, you're immobilizing your own existence. Yeah. Like, you know, they're saying the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Right. Yeah. What that saying is that what the tree is made up of will just spread locally to it. And what, what is made will be there. So people, they go out with their friends, their family, their family's friends, their cousins, their uncles, their aunties, their, your nan knows my aunt. It's that comfort zone of connection of people. And weak people, they depend on people emotionally, financially, physically. They need people to even like ask questions because they've not got a brain to work things out. That's not their fault. It's just how it is. Mm-hmm. So they need that support of everyone around them, familiarity, because they're comforted to, I know that path goes there. Whereas if you suddenly move to a random place, you're not confident. You can't speak to people. If you're scared of the dark, you can't just explore alleyways to realize, okay, that that gets me there. People aren't familiar with new things, and it's scary, and they don't know how to ask people shit. So it's easy just to stay in the same thing. And yeah, if there's a storm, if everyone else is staying because everyone else is following everyone else who's staying, they're all a follower, following a follower, and they're only staying because that person's staying, but that person's following that person. So again, it's like. Why do people chain smoke in school? Because they think if they don't smoke, that person's going to think that I'm not cool. And so, and that person's thinking the same thing. And it's just this perception of that everyone's judging me if I don't. But they're all thinking the same thing that doesn't exist. So if everyone were just to communicate and be like, look, we need to fucking move because we got lucky this time. We're going to fucking die. Um, yeah, um, it's all circumstantial. And that is why people stay because it's comforting their surroundings like I'm a traveler I can't wait to travel the world I never want to stay in the same place more than once because like plants live and they die they don't just suddenly like fucking stay for years and years and years it has its short lifespan it creates an acorn and that dies and the acorn creates another tree as in I'm the same thing moving around gaining knowledge learning experience seeing cultures it's fucking fantastic learning how to cook different foods smells it's amazing the same shit living in the same place my life scares the fuck out of me <laughs> what's your favorite food oh, man, i think because i eat a lot of like my favorite takeaway is chinese but that's because i'm in a place where there's just chinese and indian and like that's it mm. you know if there was if i went to other countries i'd be trying so much stuff like snake tarantula there's so much food around the world man like people are missing up but again it all comes down to money really that's right pretty much the reason why people don't even move their block 20 grand to build a house i'll stay here so you can understand but sure yeah when it comes down to survival and that then people change like when they lose their little brother or something then they change sadly mm. yeah that's a good point too i mean yeah i mean a lot of it is circumstantial you know some of it's just based on you know what you can and can't do whether it's you know financially or even emotionally you know some people don't have it in them to move and 
and they're dying to, and their anxiety is so crippling that they can't leave the house. But all they want to do is see the world. You know, so I guess everybody's different and everybody kind of uh, lives their life the way that they know how. But I don't know, man. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the whole thing uh, in my mind should blow over pretty soon. I, uh, I know a lot of people are saying, well, you know, this is only the beginning, blah, blah. You know, kids are only out of school for two weeks, but it's going to end up being the whole rest of the year. I don't think that's really going to be the case. I don't. Um, you know, I think that. Uh, you know, it, w- with my kids being home from school right now, uh, you know, they're all just kind of hanging out and just working from home. But what are they going to do with all these other people? Like, what about the single single moms who can't stay home? You know, they have to go out and provide for their kids. Like, they have to take all these things into account. Like, didn't Italy um, excuse mortgages for a month? I don't know, but that's the only that. way you're going to sort out the problem is the government have to somehow bail out all the companies that depend on the landlord, you depend on the bank, you depend on this. They government have to step in with all their wealth of everyone collectively, like insurance, where they make their money from everyone not using them. So there's a big pot full of money. It's the only way if you keep want to keep like the economy up and running because everyone depends on the next person and mm-hmm. they all fucking crumble or government sort of just you build a government, like how much that cost, how much rent did you not afford to pay just to keep it going? Because at the end of the day, government's going to have to bail the banks out anyway if everyone crumbles. So why don't they do it now? But yeah, um, that is pretty much the only way it's possible, government getting involved. And um, yeah, I think within four weeks, everything will be up and running because China, the new cases are getting less and less and less. If we're stopping the boarding and the planes and the travelling, which is widespread in the first place, then it just has to go through that 14-day period of when you get it, you get ill, you either die, you survive, and you're better. It has to go through. If you get it, you'll survive or you'll die, or you've not got it, and like a storm, it will pass by. That only needs like 14 days. So as long as we're not spreading it more, then it will come down within four weeks, I reckon. Right. confident. As much of an inconvenience as it is, you know, obviously it's all for the greater good. So, I mean, I think it's silly for the people who are saying, well, fuck it, I'm going out anyway and you know, I'm still going to I'm going to keep my bar open until they arrest me. Like I can understand <laughs> why anybody would uh, or should stay home and, and avoid spreading this thing. Um, but, you know, again, you're right. I mean, the people who are really most affected by the disease itself, not by well, like the whole domino effect, or, you know, it's really just like the people who are already sick. There's two cases in my entire county of people uh, uh, who have actually passed away from this. Everyone else, you know, there's some uh, <clears throat> infections, I want to say it's like, uh, it's up to a hundred and something in an entire county. All right. But I mean, two people who died, one was 80 something, the other one was 90 something. So, I mean, what, what, what does that tell you? You know, and I think that um, it's it's just you know look, looking at the numbers, it, there's so little to be afraid of. I just it, it blows my mind that people are making such a freaking huge deal out of it. But again, it's the media who's sensationalizing it. It's not us. You know? but yeah, so it's like you know, look at the normal flu last year in your town. Okay, I bet more than two people died from the normal flu in yeah. your town. And yes, they probably were old. That's just the way it is. Right. Well, it's the thing, right? If Let's just say the media isn't just serving the people by telling them what they want to hear. And yet they are doing it because of whatever reason, right? It's lost so much money in the stock market, right? What if there is 
people pulling the strings of media, for example, now companies come along with certain things, certain things, and, and we now rely on them for profit. Like, what if that is the case? Um, I mean, chances are, at least to some degree, it is the case. That's always the case, right? Because um, there's always going to be some some uh, alternate, you know, agenda that we're not going to be aware of, and we'll never know ever. You and I will never be in that room having that conversation with these people who are saying, "Okay, here's how it's going to go down. <laughs> we're going to do this," and maybe you know, maybe there's maybe initially the disease did exist. Yeah, I mean, it, this isn't a brand new disease. We're just kind of it, it's just kind of exploded into whatever it is now but i mean if you look at the back of a lysol can like it's it's already been printed on there for a while so they um you know i i think there's definitely again something... look at the back of a what uh, uh like a can of lysol What's it's like that? a dif- like a disinfectant spray and it's it's already printed on the label that What's it's label? that it's uh that it's meant to um treat uh well not treat but like when you spray like the disinfectant spray in the air uh, like on the back, it says, you know, it's meant for this, it's meant for this. And one of the things it specifically says coronavirus. Really? Yeah. And that was before the coronavirus like thing out, outburst, outburst right now? To my knowledge, yes. So that means that, that means that it's a certain virus that we are, all the medics and scientists already know about. Yep. But then it's like, okay, well, why didn't, they find a vaccine before or maybe they were still working on it or but yeah that's the thing like where did it even come from and can dogs get it like if humans can get it and it's come from an animal for example how come dogs can't get it if it came from say i don't know a bat or something you know what i mean yeah like you kiss your dog how come you don't get ill how come your dog doesn't get your cough or you know like dogs don't get ill why why is that you <laughs> thought about that never see a dog like yeah, no, well, their their system works differently. Uh, that's all it is. Yeah, I mean, they're you know they've, um, I don't know, I I couldn't give you a good enough answer, but I mean, I know that their the way that their body works and their chemistry is definitely different enough from ours where we can't contract diseases from one another. The same way that like if my dog caught like whooping cough, like I wouldn't have to worry about it. I could still carry her around and bring her to the vet. I suppose it is like you know a zebra trying to mate with a um, a giraffe. It's it's not possible because they're not the same. Like the cells and the genetics or whatever aren't the same, but like a horse and a zebra could probably end up creating a uh, a horse Z or something like, you know. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Yeah, so it must be that they're you know the dog's system is different to to humans. That is absolutely why. But so you know there was a thing on Netflix, this vaccine thing. It actually came out the same day the coronavirus came out. Like it was a Netflix documentary of vaccines where they are coming up with one vaccine like one injection will cure all strains of flu they got it down from six to three injections but they're trying to get it down to one which means for example if every human got that jab we would be prone to we would be um covered for every type of flu so coronavirus ebola swine flu um that is interesting bill gates has just funded that so it's interesting to see how Bill Gates Foundation end up accelerating that program because of what's happened. Like they might suddenly flood more money into it because of what they've seen what fucking disaster happens because mm. of this. Hmm. I wonder if Netflix had something to do with this. 
Netflix, China, <laughs> China, Corona. <laughs> As you said, you can think of every path of this and every path of that. And it might be glimpses of this and that. It's right. not everyone. It's just like small glimpses of this, small glimpses of that. We'll never know. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just life. There is many factors behind everything. And it isn't one, it's not the other. It's like some here Yeni, some here Laurel, the blue and the gold dress. Some see blue, some see gold. Mm -hmm. Life is two things. There's negative and positive people. It's not, oh, 25 humans died. It's like, okay, well, 25 of those are negative. And the reason why the other ones didn't die is because they were positive. And so mm -hmm. the vibration, your immune system, how your cells reproduce, is based on the vibration and the biology of the state your body's in. So if you're a negative person, essentially your cells are dying anyway. If you get like a disease or whatever, you're going to die. So it's not just humans who have died. It's There's negative and positive humans, which means the biology is different. So we're not just all one human. It's like these people die because they're negative people. You know, right. Everything exactly. is about everything is two sides. It's not just you've got two eyes and a nose and two ears. You're a human. No, your biology, how your cells are made up is different to mine and how we think and how we feel and how we see things, how we hear sound, and how we store memories is based on your vibration. Hence why some people hear Yeni, some hear Laurel, because, for example, they're tone deaf, because they spend a lot of time in their head, negatively charged, worrying, replaying fear, you know? So right. that is also a big factor. Yeah, it's very true. You know, life is all about your perception, how you perceive things. If you're a negative person, everything's going to be bad. Everything is going to suck. You know, everything is shit. Uh, if you want to look at the bright side of things, I personally am uh, an optimist when it comes to almost everything. Uh, everything short of, you know, even, let's say, somebody passing away. You know, I had a friend who passed away the other day from cancer. Um, I was the only one there, you know, at the wake when everybody else was, you know, crying and, and being upset. And I said, guys, like, I'm, I'm there making jokes and I'm, you know, trying to have a good time. And everyone's like, the fuck is wrong with you? Like, guys, we're not you're here You're such to... a cold-hearted asshole. Right, you're a piece of shit. But, no, I mean, I'm like, guys, you're looking at this the wrong way, man. Like, be thankful that you had this friend. Be thankful that you had this soul in your life. Be thankful That's that you got to meet him. Right. But we're, we're not here, you know, to just to say goodbye. Like, you're here to fucking celebrate the fact that this person existed. And that's that's kind of my philosophy on everything. You know, if you don't look at things that way, I mean, it, what the fuck are you doing? You know, then you're just ruining your own one chance at life. That's the thing. Like, say, for example, the coronavirus, it will spread and then the weak will die and the strong will survive. You look at a big tree when you plant loads of trees. Like they plant, the reason they plant loads of trees is because they know that one's going to survive out of the eight, right? And that's because he gets the most nutrients and takes their nutrients. Well, if you apply that to humans, for example, like your friends at the wake, if you apply to the all the friends at the wake, right, and then you apply that to people who don't move from a storm, as you said, they depend on each other. Those types of people who are dependent on people are not independent. Often they are negative rather than positive, right? Positive right. people are free and independent. They can just survive by themselves, right? Negative people, they need each other. So all those people who are friends of that person, for example, they see it as a loss. And then what tends to happen is their other friend also will die, and then the other friend will die, and they'll see their whole life falling apart. And therefore, they don't have the need, they don't have anything to live for because their life was made up of all those people. And it's like, well, they're going now. That's it. But I don't want to live anymore. And so you go into a depressive state of mind, anxiety. You don't bother with yourself. You don't shave. You don't eat well because 
it's almost like where your friends are, you want to go too because they're your friends. So when your friends go to the bar, you want to go to the bar. If your friends are going to the spirit world, you want to go there. Hence why people give up. Hence why when a, an old grandma, for example, and the husband passes away and they've been together for say, 80 years, they give up too because they don't want to be there anymore. Like my mm. granddad was an alcoholic, but he accelerated the drinking when his wife died because he depended on her for everything. He didn't want to be here anymore. And that's what's happening. Life should be um, celebrated because we've only got one shot. There's all these people depend on everybody that when something goes, the dynamics changes, it's a knock-on effect. As you said, they're all crying. Before you know it, they're in a depressive state, crying more. Somebody else dies or maybe they go into a depressive state because they lost their friend. They take drugs and then they die. And then it's just this knock-on effect where life's coming to an end. What's happening with the world? Fucking everyone's dying, cancer, coronavirus, flu. And they don't look at the alternative like life, nature, happiness, celebrating with people, love, care. Again, it's, there's just as much there as there is here. It's how you look at it. The blue and the green, you know, so the, the blue and the gold dress. It's how you look at it. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, look, it's you got to kind of take things for what they are. And shitty things happen to all people, good people, bad people, uh, typically good people for whatever reason. But, you know, with without any sour, there is no sweet. You know, and you have to kind of accept that, that sometimes bad things will happen to you. You know, at some point you, you know, we will all pass and it may not be the most comfortable death or, you know, you may lose money in the stock market or, you know, whatever. But how sweet is it to get your money back in the stock market, you know, a week later and or double that money? You know, you wouldn't know that feeling had you not lost it in the first place. So. I know it's a shitty feeling to lose money or, you know, to to be hurt. But, you know, if that didn't exist, you wouldn't know happiness. And I, I try to focus on that and, and, you know, be mindful of that regardless of what's going on around me. You know, like when I learned that my friend passed, yeah, of course I was upset. Of course I cried. Um, I didn't blame the world. I didn't, you know... Uh, I didn't go online and buy a hashtag fuck cancer shirt and, you know, start like, <laughs> you know, like doing whatever, you know, running marathons and shit. I mean, even though that's nice, too. But, you know, I, you know, I, I, I sat alone for a few minutes. I cried. I thought about my friend. Then I went upstairs and I made breakfast for my kids, you know. and Life I, moved on. You let it go. You said goodbye in your head and yeah. you said goodbye to you. And you understand that's life. And we know thousands of people and one by one, you're going to hear calls that John's died, Dowie died, he got run over by a car, he got cancer, he got shot, he got stabbed. That's just life. It's just life. And if people accept and embrace life, they'll be mentally prepared for the reality that you're going to have a call that your mates died or whatever happened. It's just the way it is. You can't fit that life is all hunky-dory. You've got your, your house and your sofa and your two kids and everything's fine because that's not how life works. You need to understand right. that you try your best to... To, to you know increase your survival and be healthy and and love people because you might not know when that you're going to see them again say goodbye hug them make an effort but reality is that any point something could happen they could have a car crash that is just out of anyone's control and that comes down to knowledge and knowledge is is restricted especially this type of knowledge that you know if you think about something it's going to happen again in terms of negative and positive mindset and right. people who don't have access to this knowledge sadly won't know the other life of it's not just what you see and there's so much more hence why as you said traveling is freedom 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, and, and, and it's not to say that everybody needs to just pick up and move somewhere random. You know what I mean? Like, be smart in your decisions. <laughs> you know, like, of course, like when I went, when I said to, you know, to my wife, hey, do, you know, let's move. Let's get the hell out of here. Like, why don't we go somewhere nice and, you know, of course, I had to research what kind of school system they had there or what kind of, uh, you know, crime statistics they had there. I'm not just going to blindly move into the worst neighborhood in the worst town in America. But um, but you should still move around or at least travel, you know, see the world, see your country, you know, see more of your state. Even some people don't even leave their own town. I grew up with someone. So when I was a kid, I grew up in Brooklyn and, you know, it. Even if you've never been to Brooklyn, I think everybody has some idea of what Brooklyn is all about. And, you know, it's it's a melting pot. You know, it's New York City. And you're a 20-minute train ride from Manhattan. And when I moved out to Long Island, I kind of realized at a young age, I think I was like 12 or 13, how sheltered a lot of these kids were. And none of them had ever even, like, left the town, let alone the state or country. Um, we had a security guard who worked at our school, and uh, he was a black guy. And one of the girls in, in my cafeteria, when the black guy uh, like first got there, she's like, oh, it's a black person. And I'm like, uh-huh. And I'm like, so what? And she's like, I've never actually seen one in person. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you, <laughs> you live in New York. Like, I know we're not in the city, but what? You not move 20 minutes out of a plow, out of a house. <laughs> right. Which also means that, you know, I mean, granted, this girl's 13. So it's not like she's going to get in the car and go somewhere. That means her parents never took her anywhere. What so not that she's what? an asshole. Her parents are even bigger assholes. Oh, and okay. It fucking blows my mind. So, so you're telling me that 20 grand, you could build a house in North Carolina. 20 grand. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not going to be the most extravagant house and it's not going to be the biggest house but yeah i mean that's that's basically all just material you know yeah just you know wood and um sheetrock and whatever else but i mean you don't have to go that high end with your material uh you can build a house for like 20 grand honestly like i think this is the way life's gonna go so many developers are buying land, right, off people who sat on that land to make profit, right? So now right. they've got to sell their fucking houses for so much more, right? Houses in England, for example, to get a three-bed house, it's £400,000, which is about $600,000, right? Mm. And when you look at the size of the American houses, they're fucking huge compared to ours. They're like, our house is probably like an American house for the same price. is like four to one, four times bigger than ours, right? And it's crazy. And I think what's going to happen is that people are going to start to buy small plots of land, not fucking acres and acres. It's not necessary, right? Small plots of land and build their own damn house out of their own materials. Maybe not wood, maybe not sorry, brick, but wood or they'll get like um, they'll be creative. They will get like storage units and they'll create their own like house out of it because there's just to buy a house these days. It's just not possible for anyone my age, 27. I'll be buying a house on fucking 50, right? The time it takes to buy a house and that's not spending a penny so that's right. what has to happen we're going to buy land and build their own little house um because it's just not going to be possible um well, again yeah i mean that 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 kind of exists and i mean like there's shows on it now like i don't know if you, you guys have it there but it's um like there's a show called uh tiny houses and it's basically just young couples and they they either buy or build these little houses and it doesn't matter where it is. Some of them will build it in their parents' backyard, but it's their own, 
You know, a lot of them, they'll yeah. just buy a little plot of land somewhere in Texas. Yeah. And it's it's no bigger than, you know, like you said, a storage unit or like a glorified shed. But, you know, it's theirs and it's their spot and it's their land and nobody can really take it away from them. And, uh, you know, I think people are starting to kind of wake up to that reality that you don't need an acre of land, that you don't need six bedrooms when it's just you or just you and your, you know, your, uh, your wife or husband. Um, it's just, it's not realistic. And to say, I think that a lot of times that people kind of are raised a certain way and they think that that's just how you're supposed to live. And if you don't do it this way, then you're a failure. But I think, you know, the reality should be just that you work for what you need you know, and if, if you don't need a huge house, don't get a huge house, you know, like you're not impressing anybody. You might impress a couple of your friends, but then you're going to put yourself in debt for for that one reason. So I think it's more important that, you know, people are being innovative the way that they are now and more so. I'm hoping that, you know, that movement kind of takes off because the tiny house thing, I think, is a great idea, especially for younger people who are, you know, starting out. And, you know, they're in their 20s, but they want to kind of live their own version of, you know, their dream life. You know, they want to own a piece of property. They want to own a home. And I think that's the right way to do it. You know, not be uh, necessarily be in the confines of uh, a building where you're surrounded by hundreds of other people. You want your own house and, you know, up near a mountain somewhere or whatever your 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 dream scenario is. Um, but I also like that people are not only thinking this way, but they're acting on it in, in an intelligent way. So, uh, I've seen now that they're starting to build house uh, ma material to build houses out of uh, like with 3D printers. So people are actually 3D printing houses. So they'll make like all like the the two by fours and all this other stuff. And then they actually build a house that is plastic. It's weatherproof and it's it's all 3D built. It's amazing. <clears throat> amazing and also like you know that 3d material plastic is strong it's fucking strong it's like yeah. you couldn't even bend it with your hands like i remember at school days that when you know like, the 3d printing that is strong plastic i don't know how they make it but yeah humans have come from like a cave for example a tiny fucking cave with like hundreds of other people why does 50 cent and he said this he's got a fucking 15 bed house he's just him in it and he says he's not gone down that part of the house for years he, he joked about it right keeps the heating on just so it doesn't like fucking start to go moldy but it's true it's perception of you need this four bed house after you go to university you get a mortgage based on you know if you earn 50 grand a year you get a, a 400 grand mortgage because then you can spend half that on the house right it's just what people do they've not thought about what if you lose your job for fucking even two fucking like weeks like you know how are you gonna pay that back and how right. you on catch up and then you've got a get every fucking room carpeted and every room's got a light oh fuck me this money adds up like i love the fact of just having a little cozy like tiny house like a little gypsy horse carriage that's just got a bed and my tv's on the door and i'm just lying in my bed i don't like when i'm in bed anyway i'm just looking at my tv i don't need all this <laughs> fucking space as long as i've got my place for my clothes another storage unit like my clothes in the mirror and a place to take a shit that's really all you need like i love cooking um, mm -hmm. it's exciting thinking about having a little stove, a little camping stove. It's not a fucking marble kitchen stove like an, you know, like people have. It's a little camping stove. I might have to go to the shop and get a canister to refill it up. That's fun. I feel like I'm camping in my mindset. Like you said, move <laughs> to the mountains, get up a little horse carriage and just put a little stove up and cook some, 
fresh salmon you've just caught. That is exciting. Like yeah. going to the shopping centre, queuing up for hours to get your salmon. Four pound fucking salmon because for four pound for fucking fish. And then you've got a bloody cook it on your fucking two, two grand stove, which costs so much money in gas. It's just fucking too many dependencies along the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, true. I'm waking up and realising, oh, this bollocks. I don't need this fucking 400 pound Xbox, a thousand pound iPhone, and the next year it's only worth 400 quid. You fucking crazy. That's like fucking 20 days of my whole year worth of wages, and I still can't afford to get the carpet done. Shit, simple <laughs> fucking shit. Like, it's bollocks. It's all bollocks. Yep, absolutely. You know, and they make it impossible for you to, to do those things. You know, and I, mean, I don't know exactly how it works out by you, but like, I could tell you that here, like, my wife is much like that too. Like, you and her are very similar in that way. Like, she wants to live off the grid completely. She has no interest in phones. She has no interest in you know, school systems and, and office jobs and all that shit. She's like, listen, I, if it were up to me, I would, you know, we'd pack up. We would just literally go build a fucking cabin somewhere in the mountains and just raise the kids, homeschool them, catch our food, you know, build fires and just be happy and be on our own. Um, unfortunately, you just you can't like you just can't do that. You know what I mean? Like I could I could just see us doing it and like on day two, like, you know, a black truck pulls up and they're like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> Get the fuck out of these woods, you know, or pay our tax. <laughs> so it's, you know, they would that dream. Just it's I don't even know where in the world to go in order to achieve that. That's the thing. Like you can't just build on land because it's either publicly owned <coughs> or it's privately owned. Right. And then if you buy it from that person privately, you now have to go through regulations and laws and bullshit. And there's so many fucking regulations that stop you from doing it. So you go to the fucking bank and get mm -hmm. a mortgage. That It's just like, there's no point even spending any money because just the lawyer fees are just going to cost the fucking house. So really, best thing to do is just get a fucking caravan that you can drive and just move when somebody says, get off my land, asshole! <laughs> it's just like, just keep driving and camping. You might get lucky for like a month, three months, or fucking two days. But again, that all comes down to freedom. And this thing about education system right and homeschooling well homeschooling means you're teaching what the teachers are teaching they're teaching what the government says that people need to live in the modern world of university banks fucking bollocks right that i mean as you know it's bollocks anyway all the knowledge i've learned from youtube real life knowledge i don't need to go to fucking school to learn all this bollocks about maths and algebra and english i learn english through speaking I know how, need to know how to survive, how to trade. Everything else you learn in school, history of your country, fucking geography, where Russia is on the map. What, who the fuck? Why, why does that matter to my life, right? Are we God or whatever? Who gives a fuck? I believe I want to believe, thanks. Yeah, how about energy? You didn't teach about energy, did you? All about fucking God and Allah. How about energy? Again, it's all about what the institutions need to keep them up. So you go to school, you go to the university, you go to get a bank, you go to get a mortgage, you pay a tax. It's that cycle. That's how life is built and if you suddenly you know again the point i'm saying is that teaching your children what the education system is bollocks anyway i just teach them how to survive and trade and speak to people and they'll that, that's all they need to survive right. learn to speak learn to talk learn to help people love people yep. feel empowered that's what I'm is. you'll teach your kids in a week <laughs> absolutely i mean we you know we've got the same mindset i mean and we tell them even now at a very young age you know they're six eight and ten and we you know they'll bring home a test and if they got like a 60 or a 70 on it 
the first thing my wife tells him is like, you know, just take, you know, good job and, you know, don't let it hurt your feelings. Like she's more she's more concerned with how they're interpreting that grade and how they feel about it. And, you know, if uh, obviously I'll work with them because I I want them to keep up and I want them to do well. And sadly, we don't live off the grid and we're not completely anonymous. So we do have to keep up. Um, you know, when they're older, they can do what they want. But, you know, we're raising them in a way where we want them to be we're more concerned with them as being good humans and productive members of our society than saying, oh, you know, I went to such and such college, you know, I drive this type of car, I'm better than you, you know, fuck everyone, it's all about me. Like, that's that's not as important as being, you know, a good human who's able to contribute to the world. And we want them to understand that, even at a very young age. Absolutely, like what be like, for example, that failure of 70% and the pass test is 71%. To them, it's failure rather than passing. They feel like I'm not good enough and all my friends pass, which means I'm not good enough. That affects people's brains forever. That mm. fucking little piece of paper that some man in an office wrote down 10 questions and you've got to get seven questions right to pass. And then they go through to the next bit and then that kid's stuck in the classroom trying to it's bollocks like that is just bollocks that is exactly why all these problems exist and you could say it's created by whatever really it's just how it works the patterns continue of negative or positive it's not someone's purposely knowing that the kid feels failure he's going to feel worthless he's going to join this group and they're going to all become hippies and then support each other and then we come and take their land away it's not how it works it's just the flow of patterns and how one creates more and it's and you know all you can really do is 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 teach people that this is how it is because they're gonna grow up with all the majority of their friends believing this and they're gonna suddenly become isolated with their superior knowledge from their parents right so you have to teach them that most people think like this they're still your friends they don't know any different they're not better than you you're not better than them you know this and they don't still be them otherwise you'll become isolated um but this is how it works. Give them both sides of the knowledge rather than just saying, fuck the education system. You don't need to know this. Fuck banks. Just this. This is more important. <laughs> fuck that. Because then they will be isolated forever. Like right. you have to learn there's the, both sides and then selectively choose who I speak about the knowledge to and who I don't. It's Absolutely. important to have both sides because the majority of people are part of that and you need to know that you're going to walk out into town and they're only going to know this and you have to be able to speak about the normal shit to them. Otherwise, you won't be speaking to anyone. Right. Yeah, you'll just be the crazy loner in town who's just talking shit and everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you I mean, yes, in some to some degree, I think you have to kind of play ball. You have to go along with the bullshit because society's structured itself in a way where, you know, this is what you learn up until this age. Then you do this and then you do that. And this is this is what you need to achieve in order to be like everyone else. And if you don't do those things, if you don't follow this very streamlined approach to civilization, then you're an outcast. But I think it's important to understand both sides of it. You know, and, uh, that it's you know, bullshit, but you need to play ball. So, you, you know, like, you know, power of, if you can heal cancer with energy and sound frequencies and vibration, that type of shit, yeah. I mean, if you went up 99 people and says, did you know that if you played this frequency, like, and put your, your cancerous leg under a, a, a scanner, you'd see the t cell tissue breaking down. You can heal cancer with the sound. They think you're fucking crazy. And they'll tell everyone. You know that person thinks that you can heal cancer with the mind. You fucking crazy. My grandma died, blah, 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 blah. And like, you can't change their mindset. It's how it's built. It's how societies are built. Yes, 
if you happen to know somebody with cancer and you use your powers and shit and you healed them, you've done a great thing and you feel good. But don't think you can try and change the world because you changed one because the world doesn't understand. And I think that people who know all this will become aware of this stuff, realize no, realize very quickly that keep your shit to yourself. Tell people, help people who want to be helped because you can't help the whole world because right. you'll just be considered crazy and then you'll be locked up for this belief that you can suddenly move a rock with your mind called telekinesis. Like people don't get that other side and you learn to keep your shit to yourself because you're just wasting energy and also people will focus their negative energy on you looking at you like, that asshole thinks he can cure my cancer. Asshole. Who does he think he is? And um, that's negative energy. And you don't want that towards you because uh, that ends up affecting your energy, their negative energy, you know. So, yeah, you selectively understand and, and choose who you uh, speak your wisdom to. Um, like Jesus. Back in Jesus' day, they put him on the cross because he's talking about all this nonsense about forgive your neighbor, don't kill, love each other. This asshole's crazy. Let's burn his ass alive. Put him on the cross. <laughs> Jesus is like, well... It was a risk I took, saying I could kill your, kill your, kill your cancer. Risk I could took. I did walk across water. You don't think I can? That's understandable. Um, and they <laughs> put the father on the cross because he's part of the witchcraft. Like, he's part of, like, you know, he's possessed. Because they don't right. understand that's actually the true knowledge of wisdom. Um, it's just the way it is. Um, yeah, it is. one animal heads the, heads leads the pack. And there's always another fucking cow trying to dominate that top cow, you know. Telling all the other little cows, don't follow him. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> he creates his own little pack behind and then the other cows saying the same thing. It's just generations of generations. And then they take the cow down. It's like changing a new president. One, you know, just, it's just... <laughs> well, it's just cycling. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. One big tree in a field will get, you know, a fungi will start to take it down. And that's it. No more tree. And then all the other little trees are like, hey, fucker, you know, look at me, fresh leaves. And then in his day, another fungi comes along or a bird shits on it because the bird's eating some fungus or coronavirus. And the, and the tree's like, fuck, my time to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's very true, man. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's a fucking crazy time we're living in right now. And it's it's uh, there's a lot of silliness, but I think there's a lot of really beautiful things that people need to stop and understand and really take into account, you know, not freak out over a flu and not freak out over toilet paper. <laughs> I think it's really important that right now everybody focuses on if somebody, you know, if, if there is an old person who needs help, fucking help them, you know, stop hoarding shit and sitting in your house and just focusing on your own stuff or just sitting on the fucking couch playing on Facebook, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Do you know the knock-on effect of toilet paper was pretty much on the news? Like, I'd be more concerned about food and water, not wiping my ass. Like, right. I could use a sock to wipe my ass, or, you know, I could just have a shower. But if food runs out, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, I can, I can go days without wiping my ass. But how did humans cope years ago when they shat in the mountains? Like, it, it, that was just it. But food, I need food. So, again... People are following the trends. Like, how can people in Australia, Canada, America, England, Ireland all be taking toilet paper? Social fucking media. Because right. they, it's just, they're following the trend. It's almost like Black Friday fighting over the TV. They're fighting over toilet paper. It's like, <laughs> doesn't fucking make sense. Like, why do you think you're going to run out of toilet paper again? Because every fucking, per like Bitcoin. People start to buy Bitcoin when they think Bitcoin's going to go up. 
it's fucking hilarious. I mean, when you understand both sides, it's hilarious. But yeah, help your old lady, help your neighbour if she can't go out to buy milk because she doesn't want to get ill, as opposed to fighting over the fucking grandma for the toilet roll. Right. Exactly. That makes you feel good. Helping Definitely. somebody. If you need some toilet paper, here, I've got 50 billion. How many do you want? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. I'll, yeah, I'll do anything but help you wipe your ass. <laughs> She's like, excuse me, whilst you're here, would you mind wiping it for me? <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> what I got myself into. <laughs> she starts telling all her neighbours that they will hear this kind gentleman at number five, who not only will give you free toilet roll, he'll actually wipe your ass for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Cool. Yeah. Any anything you want to speak about, or should we let this naturally just uh, kill us off like coronavirus? Just naturally, a conversation comes to an end. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, I gotta get to work, dude. All right, that's it. I'd Quickly plug continue, anything though. you want to. What's that? Quickly plug anything you want to plug. Your uh, toilet rolls uh, drop shipping website. <laughs> TP.org. Now, um, so. I'm, uh, I'm actually a co-host on uh, TNTL Podcast. You can find us at, at TNTL Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, TNTL stands for Try Not to Laugh. It's a comedy show, lots of dick and fart jokes, nothing like what I am today, but uh, definitely a very entertaining show. It's my friend Brandon and I uh, just talking shit for about 30 minutes and lots of random topics, but definitely an interesting uh, listen and just long enough for your commute to work or not work this week because of coronavirus. But listen to us anyway. Okay, I'm going to stop recording. I'll just say bye at the end.